Ladies and gentlemen, I am Jay McInnes, and it's been one month, one whole month. Al has been working away. I've been on a beach for one month. And we're now back perfectly in time for the beloved monthly market update of December 2023. Clearly looking at the numbers of November 2023. And it's a little bit interesting out there. It's a little toned down. Things are happening in specific segments, which we'll get into, but uh, much of the same. What did Ben used to say? Some weird foreign much a muchness. Clearly makes no sense, but anyway. Um, so we'll go into some current events, then the market update, and then some other current events. No, we'll do the market update first, then current events. So today I'm just gonna jump into the things that I think matter as usual. Um, so for the downtown market, I'm gonna be talking downtown and west side. Downtown market, we're in a, a, a generally balanced market at 12% uh, sales to active listing ratio absorption for the entirety of the downtown market. The most active price range in the downtown market is the 400 to 500 range. Um, not overly surprising, typically held for first time buyers and investors, which that is still going. Not a massive amount of sales taking place in that range, but that is the highest range in downtown right now. And just for some exact perspective, four to 500, that's only six sales out of 20 listings in that range, 400 to 500. So that's a 30% sales ratio, very strong seller's market. That's the strongest seller's market we have in downtown. Strongest buyer's markets. So the slowest markets, homes over 5 million, homes in Coal Harbor, and two bedroom homes are all what if you need to buy now, that should be the focal point where you're gonna get the most leverage uh, as those are the strongest buyer's markets in downtown Vancouver. Now, strongest sellers market, uh, again, um, studios to one bedrooms, obviously in that four to 500 price range, and uh, the West End. If you're a seller in the West End, you got a studio or a one bed, the numbers are on your side. Detached west side market, buyer's market in general, again, 10% sales ratio across the board. Most active price range, three to three and a half million, which is 30% sales ratio. Again, extremely strong seller's market. Three million to three five. Strongest buyer's market, you have to buy detached right now, and it has to be, as it obviously should be on the west side. Homes, at minimum seven and a half million. Just an easy first time home buyer segment there. Uh, homes in Quilchenna, Southwest Marine, Shaughnessy, South Granville, and Southlands. And homes with seven bedrooms or more are your best options today with the most leverage as a buyer. And seller's market, if you need to get out and you want the leverage on your side, beloved Point Grey, South Camby, and five to six bedroom homes are the hottest sellers markets right now on the west side of Vancouver. So that's all I'm gonna go into there. I'm not gonna go into the 10 years or any of this big picture stuff. Um, generally speaking, going into our current events, December 6th, Bank of Canada met today. They held the rates for the third meeting in a row. That's the third month in a row. So. At when they held it last time, I expected a little more 
uptick in the market, which we didn't see. Uh, and now obviously it's already December, so there's a lot of people we're already talking to. Okay, let's just wait till the first week, second week of January, Christmas, blah, blah, blah. Let's just write off the rest of the year. Uh, not that deals can't happen through the dura duration of the year, but uh, it's definitely not the peak time. So why not? exclude that week that we would burn anyway over Christmas and just start the beginning of January. So rates have held, inflation's at 3.1, which again, I've, as I've commented before, they just pick and choose their baskets. So I think that's kind of irrelevant, but that's what the news is focusing on, which most people, is the extent of most people's research into that. So um, yes, rates are held again at five. Um, your fixed rates have been coming down, bond yields have been coming down. Uh, so obviously, as we know, the bank policy rates is 5%, this hits variable, and then the, uh, the bond market details that you hear hits the fixed rate market. So those are two different uh, benchmark information points which, uh, which work on either side of that. So rates held again, so I'm hoping this time that picks things up a little bit and gives a little peace of mind into early next year. And we hope that the buyers start to come out again slowly in droves and um, start playing the game. Uh, we, what the hell was I gonna say? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, that is the uh, update for the rates. So again, oh, that's what I was gonna say. The, uh, what we're seeing, obviously crystal balling, uh, pie in the sky stuff, is that the market seems to be pricing in assumed rate decreases, taking part or beginning Q2 next year, and then, the majority of the economists I have heard speak are thinking Q2, Q3. Um, my guess is going to be just that. Um, they've been highlighting uh, in the meeting today, of course, that, okay, the rates are have worked their way through, are working their way out. You don't have this crazy demand for everything anymore, so it's working, it's worked. I think that's been blatantly obvious from the real estate side with regards to um, people wanting to go borrow that money at these rates, but that's that. And yeah, we'll see. I think Q2, Q3 next year, we'll start to finally see that decrease off. As we touched on, well, over a month ago now, um, we're still not seeing any of these dramatic uh, foreclosures or, or foreclosure numbers or anything like that. So loan loss provisions from the banks have been exceeding up and up and up to cover themselves, but we're not seeing that worst case scenario houses getting foreclosed on and all that sort of stuff. Yet, I don't think we will see it personally. Time will tell. So that's that. In other news, current events, um, the attack on the single family home and the single family zoning of Vancouver continues. As we all know, last month, uh, we got the, the blanket approval for the missing middle density plan, which gives excess density to all residential lots in Vancouver. Um, duplexes, fourplexes, sixplexes, whatever you're gonna do, laneways and all that sort of stuff. So that's done now. So you can now do that. Obviously the, uh, the building of things has not ramped up yet. Um, the, the city can try and implement all these reasons to uh, get additional housing. But at the end of the day, builders aren't building because the mass majority of our market is a private marketing building, private market building section, building sector, Jesus, 
and uh, they're not building because money's too expensive still. So all these things will be waiting for them and ready when the money, the cost of money and the rates come down. But again, we've now got a new proposal um, which will be passed as all of this stuff is kind of off the cuff, just getting thrown out there and done. Keep in mind a big piece of this, which we're gonna touch on later on this too, the missing middle stuff. Um, I think one of the biggest issues that is gonna come from this when the prices of money comes down and these developments start to begin, start to roll out, is that parking. They don't need on-site parking. So when you've got houses, east side, west side, very common, much more on the east side with basement suites, and you've got a second family living there, in theory, two sets of cars now for each house, and then you start doing stuff like this, you start adding duplexes, fourplexes, sixplexes to these lots, you're going to get a huge issue with street parking. Everyone, not everyone, a lot of people want to go green, uh, and that's fine when it's convenient for them and it's sunny out and you can bike, uh, but when it's raining, um, Obviously those bike lanes are vacant, people need cars. It's a very car-oriented city. If you've gone to London, New York, Tokyo, get on the SkyTrain, everything's easy. There's, it's, a, it's a web of SkyTrains everywhere. Vancouver is a little bit more um, deficient in that regard. So you've basically still got a very car-oriented city and I think from all this density that they're kind of off the cuff, get it out, get it out, look, we're doing something, look, we're doing something that one little detail of parking left behind is gonna cause big problems in the future. But um, we're gonna dive into the next aspect of that, which is this new transit hub uh, density situation. So basically, uh, well, I'll just read it out here. For all SkyTrain stations in Metro Vancouver, municipal governments will be required. Now, this is the province now. They've pulled density powers away from the municipalities and they've taken it up a notch to the provincial level. And the provincial level is now dictating down, this is what we're gonna do, or this is what you're gonna do. Municipal governments will be required to allow minimum residential heights of up to 20 stories uh, for sites within 200 meters of SkyTrain stations, up to 12 stories for sites between 201 and 400 meters uh, from a station, and up to eight stories for sites 401 to 800 meters from a station. Um, so what does this mean? My first, this means a lot of things. My first go-to is, okay, property, this is gonna include thousands of homes that are within these massive radiuses of all these SkyTrain stations all the way out um, into Metro Vancouver, property taxes. So your property taxes are based on the highest and best use for your lot. And when you have a single family home built on a single family zoned lot, that's the highest and best use. So the house price, if you've looked at an assessment or you own obviously, your land value assessed will do what it does, typically increase. The house price, as they get older, obviously diminishes. Um, the houses get older. Um, the city doesn't always know that people have done renovations and, and blah, 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 but in theory, as it gets older, the house price goes. As we move on, the land price exceeds. So when it's zoned single family, highest and best use is single family land price. All the comps are as such because it's such a, a straightforward and blanket zoning that we do have across Vancouver here. Now, if you can build, obviously details aside, a developer would have to come and parcel these lots together and, and, and. Um, but if you can build 20 stories on your lot, a single family, nice little rancher, 
two, three floor house, no matter how new it is, is no longer the highest and best use. Now, the highest and best use is 20 stories. When you're within that first realm uh, of radius. So that is gonna push the taxable assessed values of these homes way up. We've heard of cases in the Canby Corridor when that densification took place and that plan got laid out that um, property taxes doubled for a lot of those people because they can do townhomes or low-rise properties there. These guys, when you can do high-rise properties, it would be essentially just like having a house in the middle of downtown when you've got towers all around you um, and that lot is, is doable, that land is usable for that and you've just got a, a single family home on it. So a little different from that, but you, you get what I mean. The highest and best use now overnight has been converted. So that's great if you're happy to sell and a developer comes knocking, which they're not going to for a while. Keep in mind, this stuff is still gonna be comparative. Um, so it probably won't start showing up for as taxes are assessed or, or the, the numbers are built in whatever, July, assessed for the end of the year. So that's done this year, next July it'll be done. Do they have actual comparables that they're gonna go through with this? So in probably two years, I would say, we're really gonna probably start seeing um, these details come up, assuming these, these, uh, these developers come in uh, and start, start doing so. But they will need to obviously do, so, do that, come in, parcel, um, build, and then those comps will, will then play out for the other people. So that's fine if you're waiting there and you're ready to go and whatever, but if you've just purchased or have purchased a home that you don't wanna leave uh, and now your taxes go up, then it's a problem. Now people are gonna say, well, your assessed value's gone up, you can sell. You can sell in these circumstances only if you are selling to a developer. And again, they're very sensitive. As we've seen, development has slowed right down for a variety of reasons, but the main one being uh, the cost of money that they are actually going around and knocking on doors trying to build, which they're not doing right now. So in the meantime, I think we're gonna see a big uh, issue and I just, I think we can all, by now, if you've seen the videos before, know my sentiment towards further taxation. Uh, I think it's a complete, cop out and just further screws with everyone. But anyway, if you can't afford the taxes, of course people are gonna say boo-hoo, go sell your X million dollar home, but it's just forcing people to either pay more taxes or get out, which I think is the biggest negative of this. So um, that's coming. Uh, and again, taxes are based on the zoning. They get an assessed value. The mill rate gets layered on top of that, which is the government's uh, incompetent budgeting of how they're gonna run the city, um, which is already forecasted to increase roughly nine to 11% a year moving forward. So it's just more and more and more. So again, the attack on that single family zoning. For me personally, I think densification is great when done with focus, not blanket densification. I think that will do more damage than good, personally, to the fabric of these neighborhoods. All these artery streets, you see up Granville Street, all the putting townhomes in, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Those should be towers. Um, there's six lanes of traffic there. There's no need to have a townhome open right up onto that street 
when they should very well be doing towers along there. So doing stuff like that makes a lot more um, neighborhood sense, I feel, than doing what they're doing with this. Again, it makes sense around what they're trying to do around the, uh, the sky trains because of the transit hub, but I don't think this is the way to do it. Anyway, so that's how it works. Assessed value will come in once those new numbers are determined. Mill rate will be layered over that and then the taxes go up. It will take some time, I believe, but there will be thousands of homes that will be affected by that, which I think is a negative. In addition to that, the mandating of transit-oriented development, the, prov the provincial government will require cities to, here we go again, eliminate minimum vehicle parking requirements for these areas. So now you've got these massive 800 radius square meters um, that they're also saying you don't need to put parking in um, which will help reduce construction costs speed up construction reduce emissions further uh, increase public transit ridership so decrease costs you go high rise they say i don't know the exact numbers they say roughly 20 percent of the cost of a development is in the excavation in the parkade building um, of said high rise Let's assume that is correct. So, okay, 20% of that cost is now missing. Uh, so we're going to sell parkingless condos, which is a whole other circumstance of who's actually gonna buy them. Um, and in theory, the cost would be 20% less. This still in no way assists with affordable housing. And I think the blanket assumption that just throw it out there, the more housing, the better is not what is needed um, because the cost of building these these homes in these areas and these land and these at this interest rate price with this lack of construction employees out there and about to to be taken onto sites um, is just really not good. It's still all very much high end costing real estate. Um, so I, I don't think and I think we can look at a variety of different conversations that the government has had, the CMHC has had, that we need much more uh, done, built, to actually generally bring the entire price point down. I just don't see that happening. I think it's, it's structurally impossible now in, in reality, but anyway, um, these things they're doing, uh, I just think are gonna create another set of issues around these neighborhoods. Um, and isn't really getting to the bottom of uh, we need affordable housing. Uh, the only one that can build that is the government and I mean they're doing a good job of taking more taxation from us. Will they actually use it for that? Always yet to be determined. Okay, thank you, welcome back and I will see you all soon. Comment below, like, subscribe. Would love to have conversations about any of this with you. Specifically, if you disagree, why you disagree, why you disagree with what I'm saying here, and uh, your thoughts on the contrary. We'll see you soon.